Free agency frenzy is about to kick off for the Chicago Bears, so I grabbed Lester Wilfong and Jeff Burkus to preview it all on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And it is officially off-season time. We're recording here on Saturday, midday. Tomorrow starts the NFL Network's big coverage, where I'm sure we'll hear plenty of pre-tampering rumors, then enters the strange legal tampering phase, which might as well be the start of free agency. It's it's a bizarre name. I mean, a true loophole made into a 48-hour, I'm-not-doing-any-work-today frenzy, where I just stare at my <laughs> phone. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But... We've got a wild couple of days to not only recap, but also preview. And I'm here with both Lester Wiltfong, Jeff Burkus, the cast, if you will, of Bear Bear and Balanced, as we get to go over Bears free agency. So let's start with where I think we can only start, Jeff. The Mac trade, the Hmm. Tariq Cohen cut, the Goldman release. How are you feeling about recent moves that Ryan Poles has made? So... The the Mac trade surprised me a little bit. I think that the compensation was maybe not quite what we were hoping for, but they were able to get out from the contract completely. And that is the the main motivation, I think, for something like that. You get another top 50 pick, which is going to be good in a in a draft where you're you're lacking those picks. And it gives Ryan Poles some ammunition to try to remake this roster a little bit. I do want to mention that Khalil Mack was traded to acquired to try and uh, get some star power. And he, he did that. He delivered on that. And you can talk about the production, maybe not being quite what you want, but he came in and he was a first team all pro performer in his first year. He got uh, the only non Aaron Donald defensive MVP vote that year. And he was uh, the the quiet face of the franchise for the time that he was here. And uh, to to make this point, <laughs> he uh, was the chosen bobblehead for the hundredth year anniversary that the Chicago Bears sent out to their season ticket holders. They sent a George Hallis bobblehead and a Khalil Mack bobblehead out, and then they gave one out at every game. But the season ticket holders got the founding with George Hallis, and they got the future. With Khalil Mack. Now, they didn't put Mitchell Trubisky on that bobblehead. They put Khalil Mack on the bobblehead. They knew who they had. They knew they had an all performer, that all world performer. And so he filled that role. Now, again, whether or not you think that the trade paid off, um, I, I think you can make a pretty strong argument that it didn't. Uh, he did serve what it was that he brought was brought in for, which is a premier player at a premier position. And he did quite well when he was healthy and on the field uh, for his four years here. Yeah. For me, I looked at the max rate at the time was that was Ryan Pace looking at his roster. They just went 12 and four. They lost in the playoffs and he's thinking, Hey, this is going to be the piece. This is going to put us, you know, push us over the top. We need that premier stud on defense you know, the offense is pretty good. And, and then they made the big trade and it just never pa- panned out because I always talk about the, the offense. The, the defense can only get after the quarterback if the offense is putting up points. If the offense is not putting up points, you know, then the, the, you can't do that. So the fact that the offense failed this franchise the last few years, that kind of devalued the impact that Cleo Mack could have had. I think if the offense would have been better, we would have saw more from Mac. Obviously, you know, we would probably still be in the in the old regime. So things happen for a reason. And I think right now it was the right time to trade Mac. A two and a six. That's the market. That's what the market dictated he got. And I'm okay with it. So I love this move. And it's not that I hate Khalil Mack. I need to be a, or I need to make a full disclaimer here as I dive into my side of it that the NFL is a heartless business and everybody knows that, right? But if I can make the argument that Khalil Mack, who is an over 30 pass rusher that hasn't had double digit sacks in the last three years, is coming off of a foot surgery after three years of up and down injuries that some of them kept him out of games. Some of them made him kind of a non-factor in games. And obviously he missed about half of the season and Chicago is going to pay him. Uh, I think he had a cap hit of $28 million or more over the next three seasons and you're still trading him for about $20 million to whoever team comes to him. So he's expensive. 
that that's not much value when you phrase it that way. And if I can phrase it that way, somebody's agent sure can, right? Somebody on the team side sure can. So the fact to me that they pulled a second rounder and sure they got a sixth rounder too, but they pulled pick number 48. People keep talking about how Von Miller pulled back three or two third round picks. One of them was number 64. Like we're talking as low as it gets. I think that was a second rounder technically, yeah, but the second and a third, the 48 is a way stronger pick than 64. The number matters, right? It's like how we used to talk about how Nick Foles got traded for a fourth round pick. That was a fourth round compensatory pick, which is a huge difference from a, a pick at the top of the Let's fourth Let's not round. get JB going on the Nick Foles thing. Look, it's it's not about that. It's, <laughs> it's more about, to me, the fact that they pulled that kind of value out of somebody of Khalil Mack's caliber, who, again, there are a lot of reasons to not believe in him. This, The way I see it is, what would you trade in the NBA, which, weird example here, for LeBron James at 39 years old, right? Khalil Mack at this point is going to be fighting an uphill battle to maintain the status that made him the apex predator. And he was an awesome bear. And they gave him a $22 million year extension. And then they took loans out of the bank of Mac. They tripled down on that mortgage to make his cap hit just monstrous. It, to me, was the right time to get or to trade Mac. It was the right time to move on. And it was the right move because that move alone bumped the Bears' 2023 cap space from $93 million to over $120 million. Like the freedom it offers the Bears going forward is just insane. So I love Mac. I think he was awesome for this franchise. I will not speak an ill word of him, but I do think that the value, frankly, if anything, I think the Bears got maybe more than he might have been worth. And I know that that could be a salacious thing to say, but I mean – how much is a pass rusher worth in a trade? As Von Miller showed us, even the cheapest can only be worth about 350 points on the Rich Hill chart. Mac ended up with about 420. Well, let me let's make the point though with the Von Miller thing. Von Miller is a little older, obviously, and Von Miller was in a free agent year, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, the the big thing though with that was Denver was willing to eat eight million dollars of his deal, and so the the Rams d- don't have the money. And so they were looking for a cheap rental as possible. And the Rams are all in. The Rams are going for a Super Bowl and they got it, right? So they're willing to give a low second and a low third round pick for this pass rusher, which Jay felt was going to put him over the top. And it did work out, right? Uh, but Denver also ate $8 million of that. And so the finance piece is really important because Khalil Mack had multiple years left on his deal. Many. And the, the, the Chargers assume all of that cost. The Bears did not eat any of it because they the, the cap relief was more important to them than uh, the, the capital in the draft, which, you know, they're both important, but I think polls went for that first. And then from the Chargers perspective, I think it's a good move for the Chargers. I, I yeah. think that I think that you're it, as the Chargers are my second team, um, I will I will say that uh, I, I like the move and I like that I still get to cheer for Mac. And and I think that he gives uh, the Chargers a very interesting one to pass rushing punch, and so that defense is now going to be you know legitimately up a notch. And he gets goes gets the work with Jay Rogers and Brandon Staley again. So this is one of those situations where it works on a lot of levels for a lot of people. And I'm I'm happy for Mac. He's going to land in a comfortable place. He's going to be able to compete. That Chargers team should be pretty good next year. And the Bears move on from a great player. I think that's always tough, but. The reality is in their timeline of what they're looking at for in terms of competing, the balance of where they have their money, offense to defense, they needed to shift that. And so it it is what it is. It's maybe not as much as Bill Zimmerman would like. It's maybe not as much as I would like in terms of the, the capital that's returned. But you do get the cap relief, and I think it allows you to then reset and start to, to move forward in the Ryan Poles era. So overall, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Right. And like we're seeing in the comment section, I feel like the real key here when you're judging this trade is that was Khalil Mack going to be worth the $30 million in cap number at 33 years old in 2023 or 2024 compared to what he will be worth to the Chargers as early as 2022? One team is ready to go. The other team is not. This is, to me at least, the rare win, win, win. It's a win for Mack. It's a win for the Chargers. It's a win for the Bears. And it's frankly probably a huge win on all fronts. It was the rare moment where the business of the NFL is hardest on the fans, but 
I think from 30,000 feet looking down, this was a great move for all parties. I'm stoked about it. It Again, polarizing in the eyes of some, but to me, this was a great and gutsy move by Ryan Poles because sure, win, 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 like I just said, but trading Khalil Mack is going to rub a lot of fans the wrong way, even though it was probably the right way to start. Yeah, from a fan perspective, you know, we always look at draft picks. We always look at, you know, what, what do they get in return? But, you know, these teams look at it differently. They, they, they look at the money. They look at the books. And and for them, it, it was more about the money, the fact that the Chargers were able to take a lot of that money on and and free them up. And and now the, the roster's in a spot where, yeah, this, this next season may be a, a, a struggle. But, you know, 2023, let's open up the purse strings. Let's get some, some talent in here. That's what it's all about. Ryan Poles knows that, and that was a good move. And I'll tell you what, Lester, to me, I know one thing I kept thinking about was with Quinn slated to make big money and Eddie Jackson slated to make big money, Max slated to make huge money. I was trying to figure out how a Roquan extension made any sense, especially with what linebackers are getting paid right now. We're talking upwards of $20 million a year, but with Mac traded, a Roquan Smith or Smith extension does make a lot more sense. I mean, you put 18 to $20 million on that cap. Maybe it's an overpayment. I mean, again, we're talking about a linebacker, right? Defensive values, I think, can be really hard to judge. But it's much easier to swallow than looking at a defense that has almost $100 million invested into four players. Now it's down to three, right? You've got your three crown jewels in Jackson, Quinn, and uh, Roquan, at least for now. Wouldn't surprise me if one of those t- uh, players ends up on another team here in the next 365 days. But we'll we'll see. I, I think that, like you said, that cap flexibility is huge, especially if they go the extension route with some of these guys. Agreed. What about the other cuts? You want to talk about uh, chicken salad, Tariq Cohen? Uh, uh, of course I do. Anybody I, heartbroken over those two? Look, I, I really like him. One of my favorite players uh, to be on the Bears in a long time. A lot of fun to cheer for. Uh, when he went down with that injury, you know, you, you hope for a clean recovery. He clearly did not have that. I wasn't able to get on the field last year at all. Uh, wasn't able to pass the medicals, and, and they and they released him on that. Did have some injury protection on that contract. So, again, he's, he still gets – you know, which I'm always going to cheer for the player. Uh, I'm always going to cheer for the player to get paid. So he, he, you know, he had that protection in his contract. He gets the payout uh, with that. I hope that he's able to make a full recovery and contribute for someone. I'll cheer for him wherever he goes, as long as it's not that team up North. And I, I like the player, but it's a very easy decision for Ryan Poles to move on from somebody who couldn't get on the field. And it's, you know, the third running back, you know, Cole Herbert showed out uh, as a, as a capable backup. You got David Montgomery. You're going to need a pass catching back that you feel good about his health and that can rely on. That's someone that you can get either late in the draft or someone that you can bring in on a vet min or, or close to vet minimum deal. Um, so, so it makes a lot of sense that they moved on from him, but it is significant because he's a, he's a fun player. He was a a fan favorite for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think Eddie Goldman not coming back at full force really surprised a lot of folks. I think a lot of people were much, much more ready for 91 to assume the mantle of where he had been in 2018, 2019 and in 2021, he wasn't. So to me, his release makes a lot of sense. Another classic example of somebody who the bears probably shopped around for a market, but you call enough teams and the teams talk to each other. They realize that this guy's getting cut anyways. And so he'll hit the open market. I'm very curious to see what happens to him. I mean, we heard rumors of him retiring uh, as recently as a year ago. So we'll see what happens. But like you said, Jeff, I mean, Tariq Cohen at camp last year, a full, almost a full year removed from his ACL surgery could barely jog. Like, certainly couldn't jog without a limp. It's not to say that that means anything specifically, but for crying out loud, when you've got a 5'6 running back who is electric, and I love him. I mean, I still think that his 2019 regression was more emblematic of the Nagy offense getting figured out, for lack of a better word, than the player specifically depreciating. But, I mean, how much agility can a guy like that lose? before they're just a five six guy who's getting smoked out there on a football field like you're not talking about i think somebody said it this way if Tariq cohen was a six six uh defensive lineman with the same injury or an offensive lineman with the same injury they'd probably still be out there but we're talking about a running back who was already basing his entire skill set off of his agility that lost a lot of lateral agility so I don't know where he's at in the recovery process, but to me, 
both of those moves seemed like no-brainer business decisions by the time they hit the wire. Yeah, it's tough with Cohen because you, you hear that he can't pass his physical right now to play. So, you know, as as fans, we all want to see him do well. But, you know, that was a that was a tough injury at the time. And when it happened, we're all like, oh, it's an ACL. It's, it's, it'll take a year to come back, you know, but the year came and went and, and you know, he never came off the pup list. So, you know, of course, there's a lot of speculation. Was there a second injury? Was there a setback in training? You know, who knows what happened? But the fact that he can't pass his physical, you know, I think as fans, we all, we all wish him the best. And like 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 you guys said, you know, we'll cheer from wherever he goes, unless it's uh, Green Bay. But you know, it's uh, it's he, he, he kind of fits a role for the Bears, where like you said, Montgomery and Herbert are your one-two. Cohen would have been that that third guy, the the somewhat slot receiver guy at times. So. This move is again, it's it's the the cap relief this year a little bit, but it's more cap relief in the future, and that's that's what the Bears are going for. Ryan Poles is looking towards that twenty twenty three season. Yeah, and, and close the book on Eddie uh, Jack. That's uh, not Eddie Jackson. Eddie Goldman. Uh, it, the scheme fit is no longer there. Like Everflu's yeah. defense is going to be a little different. He doesn't really fit in there. Uh, so. You know, it was time for him to move on from a schematic standpoint anyway. I think all of the other noise that we've heard, we're going to see, right? If he ends up signing somewhere and playing the year out, then, you know, he was, wasn't ready to retire. Maybe those rumors were a little bit overblown. But, um, you know, there, there was probably some at least consideration for him that he he was maybe at the end of his his football playing career from from a personal standpoint, too. So it's just a good time to move on from him. And, uh, you know, really like Eddie Jack. <laughs> I like Eddie Jackson. I also like Eddie Goldman. Um, and, uh, you know, going to miss him as a, as the player that we, we all liked when he was developing up, but he's, he's clearly just not uh, the same player that we were hoping for when we were paying him that much money. So um, that's, it's fine, you know, m- moving on from him as well. Uh, any other big moves? Uh, no big moves specifically that really happened, but I, I want to comment Jeff that, you mixing up Eddie Jackson and Eddie Goldman is I I just want to openly apologize to all bears fans for the amount of times I'm going to refer to Ryan Poles as Ryan Pace. There's nothing that I can do about it. I mean, they, they hired a new GM named Ryan P and as I keep trying to talk to friends about it, he keeps slipping in there. So I'm sure Ryan Pace is going to remain a, uh, a piece of the bears like fan vernacular for at least two more years or something like that. Hopefully we can get fully converted by the end of this next season. Well, let me say, do you guys think that anybody else will get cut big, bigger names that'll get cut or moved before the season? Danny Trevathan is the one that makes the most sense. I mean, he just older injured uh, and and he plays a position that's really not, you don't pay that position in this defense. So I think, you know, with, with Roquan going probably to the weak side, I think you cut Trevathan and then you bring in a, a, a lower cost guy at the mic and, or the Sam. And, you know, there are a few others, you know, um, uh, Jeremiah at the chow. He may not be the best scheme fit. He'll save you like a million or so. There are a few minor moves, but I think the Bears roster is in a good place for this reset because there's only like 40 guys that even signed, you know, do you so think, it's a good place. Do you think when the musical chairs stop that, Someone is going to talk themselves into Nick Foles. I was about to say that. Sorry, that... it's your show, Robert. I should no, back up. But... No, please don't worry about it. I it's it's a show on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network for for all I care. But the Nick uh, to me, anyways, the Bears have one of the premier backups in the NFL on their roster now. Whether the league still feels that way, honestly, I actually don't know. So I may walk that statement back. But the Colts don't have a quarterback on their roster if you don't count Sam Ellinger, which I'm not going to. So outside of, like you said, Lester, Jeremiah Atuachu, I don't think that the Bears are going to cut Nick Foles. The $3 million to me isn't worth it. He is a nice veteran presence, say what you will, and having a good backup matters. Uh, but... $8 million of cap space they could save if another team, even like Indi- or Indianapolis, decided, hey, we trade for Nick Foles, worst case scenario, we got a cheap backup quarterback or maybe a cheap starter. Best case scenario, we draft somebody on top of that and Foles warms uh, warms the seat before the new guy's ready to come in. I, I could see it. Like, they're, he's good enough to be traded for that tiny, tiny $8 million price. I think Ryan Poles will let it be known that he's available. I don't think he'll shop him at this point just because, you know, you you do need that number two. You know, Justin Fields last year played and he got hurt quite a bit. And as much as we don't really like Nick Foles that much, he is still a capable starting quarterback in the NFL in a pinch. 
he can do the job if need be. You know, he you know he's not a guy you want as your as your as your top guy. You know, he, he's no QB one, but I think as as your backup, he'd be fine. Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton, you know, who, who has the money to still come off the books all those void years. So as soon as he's officially yep. released, you know, that, that that's going to hit the cap as well. But I think with Foles, if someone comes around and offers a deal, they'll listen. But I think he may be worth more to Chicago as that veteran presence number two, because all the reports from last year was that Justin Fields, you know, he had a good relationship with those two vets, Dalton and, and, and Foles. So maybe he sticks around in that role. And But I think regardless – I think the Bears need a third guy. I don't think he's on the roster now. No. I think they need a third quarterback to come in on the practice squad that has a closer skill set to what Justin Fields does, just so you have a guy waiting in the wings. Okay, so I have to mention this about Nick Foles. In the wide world of the NFL is the is the land of spinning anything in a positive or negative direction, turning Mac into this aging, unproductive, hurt pass rusher just so that you can get lesser compensation. Do you think Ryan Poles is out there marketing? I mean, you know, this guy just scored 25 points and led the Bears to an outstanding late-game comeback against the Seahawks. I mean, say what you will, the guy can play. Like, I could almost see that one spot start coming into it to say, guys still got it. Like, that late touchdown and late conversion was nothing other than old-school Foles magic. You know what I mean? Old-school Foles old school magic. Foles. What they wow. need is they need to engage whoever is around the Mitchell Trubisky camp right now and oh all my the gosh. buzz that Mitchell Trubisky has been getting in this offseason. They need to engage that group to do some Foles work to, to get, a, get a price. I think that if they were able to unload the contract and get something, it doesn't, even, it doesn't matter what, and he – you know, is comfortable with it or whatever, they can open up that money and go out and get a guy like Tyron Taylor or someone like that to to, to back up if, if he doesn't land a competition for a starting role. That would maybe be a little bit more closely aligned to what they're going to do with with Fields. But I I would I would welcome getting Nick Foles off the roster at any well, any price. Now you mentioned what they would do with the money. And Jeff, that's a perfect segue into talking about free agency philosophy, right? Let's let's talk through what we think the Bears ought to do with their money. Because sure, we could rattle off a whole bunch of names. We could talk about Brian Allen versus Ryan Jensen. We could talk about James Daniels, Austin Corbett. But I feel like the place to start here is Ryan Poles is entering his first offseason as the Chicago Bears GM. And Lester, what do you think he should do with the money? Are you looking to spend heavily on defense? Do you want offensive line investment? Are you thinking wide receivers? Where's your head at? You know, I think we go to what Ryan Poles said at his press conference when he talked about, you know, the best way to help a young quarterback is get him a, a good receiving course. Right? I think he's going to, if he does spend big money, it's going to be with a, with a top a top-ish tier type of free agent at, at, at wideout. I think he's going to also look to spend money at center, um, maybe tackle once they decide what they're going to do with Tevin Jenkins. But I think if there's going to be something you're, you're going to call a splash move, it'll be receiver. Maybe Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who I'm not really high on. Maybe Allen Robinson comes back if, if that bridge can be repaired at all. But I think you need to find a guy that you trust Justin Fields can can learn and grow with for a few years because as much as we all like Darnell Mooney, I don't think he's going to be that true elite number one that a team needs right now. Jeff, what do you think? Because I know you and I are pretty in sync in the pre-pre-show. I think that given the market and of what where things are at and then historically – what has paid off in terms of uh, where you invest your money, where you get good returns. I I hope that Ryan Poles is going to spend the the bulk of his like premium money at interior offensive line because those those contracts generally play out. They they generally work out and they generally are, are worth the money in the long run. And so that is specifically center. I I, I think that if they if they miss out on Ryan Jensen, who I understand he's going to get big money and I'm comfortable with it. Um, uh, and if they don't get uh, Brian Allen as, as, as the backup, that uh, backup option um, there, they're going to have to use one of those picks in, in the second round, probably to, to get a, a guy to come in that can start right away at center. So you're going to have to spend some kind of premium money 
to pair with Justin Fields here. So do you, do you want uh, a veteran presence at center who can settle the offensive line, who can be a force multiplier along that uh, group of five, and I'm willing to spend that money. You want to go out and try to get a, a quality tackle. There's not a lot out there. Um, you'd have to shop at the top of the market. I mean, do you really think that you can go out and afford Toronto Armstead? I'm not convinced that you can you can do such a thing. Uh, but it, that depends on what you think about Tevin Jenkins and all that. The the thing about wide receiver, I I see so many good wide receivers coming into the league in the last few years. Every year's class just has a ton of talent. You've now got two top 50 picks. I I would hope that Ryan Poles would see that he can get good return on interior offensive line investment and free agency and use those picks, picks, plural, uh, to, to go after wide receiver. And maybe not both second rounders, maybe one second and one third, whatever, but like his day two picks, I think he should consider doubling up at wide receiver and, and filling the room with a couple of rookies, Darnell Mooney, and a couple of mid to lower tier free agent signings at wide receiver. Because I, I don't think that without the presence of a true number one wide receiver on the market, which they're all gone now, um, without that presence there, I don't think it's worth your money. So to piggyback off of what you're saying, JB, and to talk to you, Lester, about the wide receiver spending, I think what scares me the most about the wide receiver market is that if you look back historically, it seems as if whenever you buy a wide receiver, you're buying them at the purchase price of one rung above whatever yeah. their playing level is. So Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who's probably like a number three receiver, would not shock me if he's going to get $10 million a year, which is like a 20% increase from Taylor Gabriel's 2018, like seven to $8 million a year, which matches the cap increase. That's all I'm saying. Like $10 million sounds ridiculous until you remember that the cap has gone up 20%. So we have to increase these deals accordingly. DJ Chark, probably number a good number two receiver, is going to get paid like a low-end number one. Mike Williams, a very good number two receiver, just got paid like the Amari Cooper contract that I was on Twitter saying is probably too expensive, but and, – and he got traded like an hour ago, so he's off the market. I – don't see the option if Gallup is going back to Dallas. Like Christian Kirk to me is a good player and he's not worth $15 million, but Brian Allen, a center worth $11 million. No, no question to me. Ryan Jensen, if you want to go designer brand on your center, I'll pay $15 million because I'm a huge believer. Maybe it's because I talked to you, Jeff and uh, Bill, who are all offensive linemen in the understated impact of what a good veteran center can do for your offensive line. I mean, especially when you look at how these guys would be able to come in and assist Justin Fields, kind of like a coach on the field. I know that's super dorky to talk about, but when you've got a center that has been around the league uh, and can adjust protections without needing your sophomore quarterback to do it for you. I think that's really valuable. And then guards never get crazy money. Like you could end up buying an offensive line and gasp backloading some deals because you've got $120 million of cap space next year. Like you go low on initial cap hit or cap hit. You could buy yourself an offensive line and head into the draft and draft all your wide receivers. And sure you'd end up with a really young team that might not be ready to do more than compete for a wildcard spot, even if Tyke Taylor got all these guys playing at a really high level by the end of the year. But by 2023, you'd start to have a young, affordable, and gelled unit that hopefully would move forward well, at least to me. Because I feel like when you look at the guard market, like I don't know if you realize this, Lester, there's no less than four really good zone guards, whether it's Take or Lakin Tomlinson, Connor Williams, James Daniels, or Austin Corbett. A lot of players coming out of teams that are going to run similar offenses to the Bears that are putting guys on the market. Or you've got at center Ben Jones, Brian Allen, and uh, and what was it, Ryan Jensen? Like you've got options at offensive line. Whereas at wide receiver, I feel like you're going to be fighting all the other piranhas in the lake for the same guy and ending up paying way more than they're worth. At least that's what I'm thinking. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't spend buku bucks on a wideout. I would, I would kind of let the market come to you. Like I said, I, I know with a guy like MBS, he will get overpaid. I hope that's not the guy they go with. But just going off what Paul said, he said he wants to get someone that comes in. And, and I do think that they are going to draft a guy. I think, you know, you have to start addressing that because right now, 
who do they have on the roster? They have Mooney and they have Daz Newsom, and then they have two other practice squad guys. So you've got to bolster the receiving corps. I know uh, Jarvis Landry could be cut by the Browns. You know, they just made a big trade for Cooper. He, that's the big rumor right now that he may be gone. I think you, you just got to find a guy that you trust and, and you can pay him for maybe a two or three year deal. So that way you got him in. He's there like a, a, a security blanket while your rookies have a chance to develop. If the Bears had a pick in the first round, and you can get a guy like like a guy like like the Bengals did with Chase. If you know you're going to get a guy that comes in is going to be the legit stud off the bat, yeah, that's fine. But you know, waiting for the second round, you can't go into the draft hoping one of your guys falls to you. That's going to be your, your your top receiver. I think you have to address that spot first, and then once the draft comes, you also address that spot because you need three legit stud wideouts in today's NFL. Yeah, I mean. It's it's not an easy gambit to walk, especially when the Bears are losing as much defensive talent as they are. I mean, right now, depending on where you – I mean, let's put it this way. I could talk about Thomas Graham at nickel. I could talk about Thomas Graham at outside corner because I really like the guy, but we're talking about a sixth-round pick playing one of three spots at corner, and the Bears really only have two corners worth naming. Like, there are a lot of positions that they need a guy at. They need a guy next to Roquan Smith at linebacker, assuming that you're not an Ogletree or Trevathan believer, which I am not. They they need to find a three-tech defensive lineman. They need to find a second safety. Again, we've done this for three years now. Like, they, they need some help all across the defense. I don't want to ignore the defense, but Maybe I sound like every nerd on Twitter. I feel like if if the offense isn't fixed, if you haven't surrounded Justin Fields with talent, you haven't gotten that train out of the station, the defense doesn't really matter. Like we've we saw Mitch Trubisky with an elite, if legendary, defense in 2018, and they got bounced in the first round. Say what you will about they were a kick away from winning the Super Bowl. The results are the results that they got bounced in the first round. So I want to see the Bears from a philosophical perspective, move all that Mac money into the offense. And even if that means low cap hits in 2022, because they got $40 million in dead cap, they have an insane amount. The The record, I think I saw last year when the Eagles did this, of teams with $40 million in dead cap or more is despicable. So we'll see if this Bears team really has the resources to be good in any sense. But I think that that massive amount of cap that they have in 2023 and 2024 can come into play because you move some of that money into the future. I know there are going to be plenty of people who are going to be furious, but it would really help them lock down some very solid players this year, if not outright stabilize the offense. Yeah, I mean, the best wide receiver on the market is Allen Robinson, and (laughs) it didn't go particularly well this last year. Now, obviously, it's a new regime, but is there enough of a bad taste in everybody's collect, you know, the mouth of everybody and just be like, yeah, go on. He's from Detroit. Detroit has a need. I could see him want to go back to Detroit. Jacksonville has a need and an interest. I could see him going back to Jacksonville and, you know, returning there. Uh, But then after that, it gets real thin. So I guess that's my thing. I I think that you're going to sign a couple of veterans to have steady presence. And then I think that you're going to go into the draft uh, and needing, needing to draft a couple of guys and you're not going to get Jamar Chase but there's so many good players that are coming out if you take a couple in the top 50 picks or top 75 picks you're, you're probably going to get early con- contributors I mean the Bengals as good as Jamar Chase is yeah, he didn't come on until a little later in the year and T Higgins and, and, uh, and Tyler Boyd were having bigger years early on before Chase you know really took over and took control so y- you do need multiple guys I just I don't see that guy being available right now uh, as a free agent. Maybe somebody shakes loose, but not right now. Do you want to get into more specific names as other free agents that you're interested in? Sure, let's do it. I mean, at wide receiver, I don't want to make it sound like I'm asking to for Ryan Poles to sign nobody. I just think that whether it's Auden Tate or Jamison Crowder or Cedric Wilson, that you can get more of your buoy guy, your wide receiver three or four. I mean, hey, you know what? Yeah. I'll say it. 
Marcus Valdez Scanling is going to get overpaid, but he would be a nice fit in what the Bears offense is supposedly going to be. I mean, I, I hate that I'm saying that, to be clear. I'm almost not even happy about this. But as far as having a wide receiver that can fly down the field, can get wide the heck open, blocks really hard, and play, or, and is apparently, according to reports, very astute and already has experience with the new offensive coordinator in his first role, I get it. Like, if the Bears are targeting him, I understand why. I don't know if the money will ever be worth it, but sometimes it never is with free agents, and you just hope that he's good enough to justify his role. But I I do hope that the Bears are cheap-ish. I, we've talked about the offensive linemen I know I'm excited about. I'm really curious to see if they sign a tackle, you know? Because Larry Borum is just good enough to not be a hole, right? He's just good enough and young enough to not be considered somebody who has to be replaced but he's probably not a roster lock or not roster lock a starting role lock either so if you can get the right deal for a Dwayne Brown heck if you could even get Trent Brown to agree to an amenable deal maybe the Bears go in that direction but you'd be almost immediately demoting uh Borum to swing and I know that that would not sit well with some fans you know I think with Borum the the regime has to go into the to this offseason looking at him as a definite piece of the puzzle you know, but they can't count on him being a starting, whether it's tackle or guard, wherever, wherever he ends up playing. You can't count on him being a guy that, that that's going to be a starter. I think Tevin Jenkins, you assume he'll be a starter, uh, whether to keep him at tackle or move him into guard. You know, you have to figure out that. You talked about James Daniels. Do they bring him back? I know there was some talk about his his market being, you know, over $10 million a year. That's kind of pricey for him considering what he's done, but he is. Really young still. Uh, maybe his best football's in front of him. Maybe he fits the the, the new scheme and uh, the new offense a little better. So I, I would like to see James Daniels come back. Um, we talked about already about Brian Allen. In my mind, he's already a bear. I just think it's such a no brainer. It makes sense. It, it makes yeah, exactly. He's from the area. You know, he is what the Bears need. He's not going to be the top center on the market. He's 26, 27 years old. So you can sign him to a, a pretty good deal count on him to be in Chicago for the next four or five years, you know, barring injury. And then that spot is set for your O line. And then you build out from there and you and then see what happens. But again, what's Jenkins, what's Borum? This regime has to figure those things out. Jeff, I thought you said it really well talking about free agents living up to their contracts, right? When you sign Olivier Vernon in free agency, a lot of times you're not going to find that electric star player that you thought, because unfortunately, if he hit the market, that means the other team didn't believe in him and had their reasons, right? But offensive, it, it, that's being very generic about wide receiver, about edge rusher. I know that there are, I picked on a specific player, but it's more to say that offensive line, I think you can get real value out of. When you sign a guy for $11 million over the next four seasons, you can actually get that $11 million back in terms of their play level. And that's something that really excites me here in free agency. I think that there'll be plenty of one year, two year deals for the bears, like short little things to just fill some holes. I think Al Kadeen Muhammad is somebody that's almost assuredly going to come over from the Colts system. Uh, another guy, I think he's, he's an edge rusher. I think Zaire Franklin from Indianapolis, a linebacker they drafted in the fourth round four years ago could also find his way to Chicago. But I think on defense, they're going to be relatively cheap and their big splashes are going to come from that offensive line spot where they can try to build up think of it as like a small cleveland offense right it's not going to be absolutely loaded with stars and it's certainly not going to be the saints offense the offensive line that was almost all homegrown but i bet they're going to invest pretty heavily there yeah i think you need to ask yourself a question why is this guy free why is this guy on the market right and and there can be a number of different reasons but if you have determined that well he he's loose because there was a regime change. He doesn't really fit the new scheme, uh, but he fits ours. Those are good opportunities to get, to get those, bring those players into your building. If he's shaking loose because, you know, he was a malcontent and, you know, no one liked him and whatever, like, well, you're going to have to consider if the, you can bring him into a locker room that's strong enough to take that personality on. Right. There, there are a number of reasons, but there are some that are, that are good reasons why a guy might be out there. And if that's the case, or, you know, it's a, it's a guy that's late in his career that's looking for, he, you know, he's trying to hold on for one more year and you think you can get something out of him. You know, OK, those are those are OK to, to, to bring in, too. You know, there there are some guys that their team decided that they weren't it, they weren't the guy that they wanted to extend. So why would you give them that money? 
right? And some now some teams are occasionally so talent rich or certain positions that maybe that makes sense to bring in. But for the most part, you know, there there is why why would you pay the the free agent premium, the 120% that it takes to bring them in the building if their original team wasn't that interested in bringing them back? It's something you really have to consider with with a lot of these guys. I I think the Colts connections are always very interesting. I've mentioned Moali Cox before. There's a guy that I'm, I'm interested in bringing in. I think he'd be fun. And uh, Malik Hooker, I think, is interesting. He would have played for Everflus if Everflus likes him. Um, I think he's still out there as a free agent and would be an interesting guy that probably would be just just above the vet minimum um, to to play next to Eddie Jackson. And that could give Everflux a lot of interesting, fun things to do on that back end. So those are guys that I've kind of thought about. Um, again, I, I agree with Lester that if Brian Allen isn't a bear, it's hopefully because it's right. They signed Ryan Jensen uh, and, and I'm all, I'm all in. If they don't get either of those two guys and I, I'm not going to, Ben Jones is, is a little too old for me. Um, and, and Ben Jones isn't, He's not Alex Mack, right? He's not Rodney Hudson. Those are the success stories of these older centers that signed and they really solidify an offensive line and they really perform well. Um, ben Jones is fine, but he's not good enough to to raise to that level, in, in my opinion, uh, of a guy that has played at an elite level that that's a little older. I want a younger guy if I if I can, um, you know, elite guy or younger guy, you know, uh, somewhere in between there. Um, if they miss on those, I. I'm I'm going to start to really start to watch the draft to see if Tyler Lindebaum's uh, short arms are going to cause him to drop into the second round, and then I might be cheering pretty darn hard for Linderbaum to get to, to 39 and and see if the Bears can can get a young center to to, to plug in there. But even so, JB, I mean, one thing, first of all, I got to say, I have basically spent the entire offseason assuming that veteran center is the starter on next year's offensive line. Like, to me, a free agent veteran center makes truly all the sense in the world. And what has me worried just a little bit is that if they can't lock down one of these veteran centers, they have to teach another one. And I think center is a hard position to learn. If anything, I don't think people talk quite enough about how offensive line is a developmental position. It's very hard unless you're Tristan Wirfs to just trot out a rookie and they dominate. I mean, there's a lot of technique that these guys have to learn, especially when you're facing, you go from facing the guy across from you at Rutgers to the, to Jeffrey Simmons almost week to week. And he's just a, almost random defensive lineman to pick out. That's not Aaron Donald. That's not Nick Bosa. That's not a lot of these guys that people have to face. But I remember when I did, oh gosh, this was years ago, did a big old case study on Charles Leno and looked at age and how it matters in offensive linemen across different positions. The like their prime obviously is when people are going to play their best football, but in particular rookie wide receivers and rookie running backs tend to start a little hotter than rookie linemen who tend to take, let's say, two or three years to warm up, right? So like you're saying, Lester, uh, James Daniels' best football could be in front of him. I mean, it's a position with a little bit more longevity. And so being able to bring in, like I said earlier, a veteran center that already knows how to make calls within an offense, to me, is invaluable because it means that you don't have to trot out uh, – I don't know, Cody Whitehair is somebody that people have talked about moving. I would hate that move purely because he hasn't played center in as long as he has. And I think there's a very good reason for it. I mean, if Harry Highstand didn't want him there and also Juan Castillo independently didn't want him there, I don't understand why I need to get excited about the new offensive line coach wanting him there because it just seems to me like there's too many people that are saying he's not a good center. I mean, he, he was fine when he was there. And I think the big reason why he was given the job back was because of how much – him and Mitch got along, you know, Mitch trusted him. The bears trusted him to make the calls at the time when Mitch was kind of struggling at that. So that's kind of why he got that gig back over James Daniels. I think in hindsight, it would have been the best for the bears, you know, a few years ago to leave Daniels at center at the time, but you know, there's things happen behind the scenes that, you know, they had to make a change. So I would like Daniels back. You mentioned Cody white here, you know, Besides the possibility of some talk about him going to center, there's also a possibility he could be a cap casualty. I mean, I think he should stick around just because you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to gut the whole position. And while he did have a down year, you know, last season, he's still quality enough where you can, you can you keep him in this spot, 
and grow with him. But I think regardless, like you guys are talking about, they got to draft a guy in the interior, whether it's a center, whether it's a guard, whether it's a guy that can play both, a guy like Zion uh, from, from Boston College. I think he'd be a good guy if he falls in the draft. You got to get younger on the O-line, and you got to get younger with quality top high-end picks because the previous regime, besides Tevin Jenkins, you know they really didn't spend you know top picks at that spot. Now, the only thing, remember, Lester, that we got to think about is that if they were to cut Cody Whitehair, which I agree with you, I mean, Cody's not had a good last two seasons, and he showed real worrying signs even as early as 2019. Inconsistency is not what you want out of an offensive lineman paid, what, $12 million a year at this point? But if they cut him this year, they would actually take on 200,000 more dollars on their cap than they currently are. So it'd pretty much be a lock for a post June 1st, but you don't get a post June 1st cuts money earlier than June 1st. So unless the bears spent just about every dollar that they had and then waited until June 1st to then sign their draft class, which, Hey, I've seen some people do that. Cody Whitehair would be basically dubbed the money that you would take into the season. Cause teams like to have five to $10 million around training camp season just in case maybe they cut him, but it feels to me like he's going to be a bear in 2022, which at least like you're saying what they want to do with Cody Whitehair changes the calculus of how you process that offensive line. Cause somebody like uh, Lakin Tomlinson, who's a left guard and has been in San Fran for quite some time to me, makes a lot more sense. If your plan is to ditch Cody, which you could do. I mean, it's not like I'm going to sit here and defend him. Right. Well, I, I... Hmm. Okay. So his tape is what it is. It was bad. Right. If Poles comes in and sees that, which he's going to, he's going to know a lot more than the us in, in watching O-line film. Uh, and he asks around and says, was this guy in the training room? Was he dealing with something that wasn't disclosed? Is this, you know, is he fighting something off or he talks, maybe talks to him. And if he was, if he had a clean bill of health, you know, relatively speaking, all linemen are hurt at all times with something. <laughs> um, but if, but if he, if it was just kind of the normal wear and tear and there's no underlying issue that we didn't know about uh, that, that was a really bad year. So it's, it's a really concerning bad year. And you had some instability around you, but it, it's enough to be concerning. If, if it's an injury thing and it's going to get cleaned up, you just, yeah, okay. We're just going to count on him to, to, to make it back to those levels. The year before, he played most of the year at center. And then when he was moved back, to, which, you know, he's not a natural center. He struggles with some of the things that you need a center to do. When he got moved back to guard, he was playing pretty well. Yep. Yeah. That, that the hope was that he was going to come in last year and he was going to he was going to play at that level that he ended the year before at guard. And he was just going to pick that up. I don't understand. Like just in, in my head just cannot wrap around how you go from a guy who looked really good at the end of one year and then have an entire year that's really not good at all, unless there's something that we don't know. There's a piece of information that we don't know, specifically an injury guys in the offensive line generally don't fall off a cliff like that. There's a little bit more of a step gradation down. So I, I do not understand Cody Whitehair's 2021. And so, that that's that's what I'm going to say. So I, you bet on him to get back to, to to decent levels, and and I think that's a fair bet. Here's what I need to ask you guys, because I think that this is the question I know I would love as much offensive lineman input as I could get. When you are an offensive lineman and you know one of the guys next to you really struggles, right? Because in my opinion, Cody Whitehair played the entire season right next to Sam Mustafer, as did James Daniels. And especially as the season wore on, every time they ran outside zone, I saw them take extra effort to make sure Sam had his assignment handled, especially when they were or they were playing some really good defensive tackles that were that would just annihilate plays. I mean, go back and watch week four's game against, I think it was the Packers, and certainly the game against the Buccaneers, and you'll see Sam Mustafer giving up a lot of ground in the run game or in the run game that kept things from getting off the board how much does that affect an offensive lineman's play if on a down-to-down basis you have to make sure that sam's got his assignment handled before you get back to yours because like you're saying jeff i mean it got to the point where cody would get a basic one-on-one assignment and just get torched that's on him it can't all be sam mustaver's fault but does having five guys that trust each other make as much of a difference as i've come to understand it does like even on an individual play level 
Right. So there, there's multiple levels, there's multiple things, and then depending on the position, right? So Lester spent most of his his playing career at tackle because um, he's tall and you know very gifted, gifted genetically <laughs> to, to be able to play tackle. Whereas I am not that tall. I'm you know decent height, but not the six four you know that you need to play tackle. So I was I played most of my snaps in the interior. But if you're talking about like run game stuff. You know, your your first goal is in some run scheme, some run plays, is that you're you're going to take on a double team, and you're going to some of one of you is going to slide off to the next level, but you're not going to do that until you have a good enough feel that that the other uh, that your teammate has that guy in a position that he needs to to complete the block, right? So if you come off the ball and you're the guard and and your your goal here is to to double team this to the defensive tackle and then you're going to move to the second level to take on uh, a linebacker, um, you're not going to leave that until you feel like that block's secure. Because if you leave too soon to go get the linebacker, the defensive tackle slips the center and is going to make the play in the backfield. That's a worse outcome. So you're going to you're going to stay with that block until until you feel comfortable with it. When when you if you're if you're in a position where you feel like you can't leave that block because it's not one yet and you feel uncomfortable and you've seen it on film so much that you have that the center still isn't there, you're going to hang with that block too long and you're going to miss the next level. Right. Um, but offensive line, a lot of that is going to be about feel. It's going to be about um, you know working together for a long time. And as Lester and I have talked about, I want five guys that can play. I don't want, you know, two stars and three scrubs. I want five, uh, five dudes that can play because eventually they're going to learn that feel part of the game. The part that you can't really describe that well, that doesn't make a lot of sense unless you've, you've necessarily done it. Um, and, and I think that might be part of it because you did have a weaker player playing center. But like you said, there was a lot of plays where he's just be- getting beaten pass pro. Yep. And that, that has nothing to do with Sam Mustafer. That has nothing. to do with Cody Whitehair. Yeah. I think part of it is, is, We've heard reports in the past about Cody White here really is really hard on himself. He gets in his own head at times. We've heard this talked about by some of the guys that got covered a team. So I think that could have been part of it. Part of it was maybe he just wasn't comfortable with what's happening around him. Maybe he wasn't comfortable having a brand new left tackle next to him, even though he, he, with a guy like Peters is a veteran. Maybe he just had to get that comfort level. Maybe he just never felt comfortable. So maybe he got in his own head. I know there's a lot of things like 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 you guys are saying where where it's about the feel of it, you know, and maybe he just didn't trust it. You know, I don't want to turn into a bash Sam Mustafer thing because I think Sam Mustafer, for where he came from, for for what he's done in his NFL career, outstanding. I, he's I, a UDFA. I, I'm for rooting for him. You know, the Bears brought him back. I would love to see him, you know, bulk up a little more, work on his technique a little more. I would love to see him come in and, and win that job. I think that's a great story. But the reality is, Slasher, he was a, a bit of a liability at times. And I think you got to get that interior figured out and whether it's a free agency, whether, you know, bringing back James Daniels, moving him to center, or even if it's Cody White going to center, you got to have someone at center you trust to to get the job done. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, we've alluded to this, right? Uh, But I, I can't help but feel like at the end of the day, the priority here in free agency needs to be building up the offense, move that spending from the or yeah. from the defense to the offense. And I think that's best done with the offensive line. I mean, it again, the free age or the draft is just a great way to skim value out of the wide receiver spot, because like we talked about, those can be a lot of really expensive contracts. But I can't see Justin Fields, who. I love him. Super accurate downfield. The uh, what is it? Brickwall Blitz on Twitter uh, did a, a whole bunch of analysis on deep ball in a, or on deep balls, and he came up with Justin Fields as a top five deep passer in the NFL last year, which I feel like the eye test backed up. But we know the kid likes to hold on to the ball, so we're going to need an offensive line that can give him even just an extra 0.5 seconds. Right. Even an extra half second, quarter second, everything makes a difference with a kid that mobile. And if you can draft some wide receivers that can help them out. Great. Any linebackers or as we move into closing thoughts, other defensive positions that are like guys that you have your eyes on or are do you guys feel like it's just a matter of seeing how the chips fall and who the Bears bring in? Yeah, I think I think with uh JB said it. They're going to look to the Colts. The Colts have a lot of right. free agents on defense. They know the scheme. They understand the hits principle that they want to do in Chicago. So I think bringing in guys like that, you know, you're going to get by for the next couple of years with these with these lower end hustle players. You know, the the real try hard guys that understand what they want to do. 
And I think the Colts have a couple backup linebackers, that, you know, that can kind of come in. They could probably, you know, buy some time. You know, we talked about, you know, you talk about a guy like Hooker who knows the scheme. You know, I'm not high on him, but, you know, a uh, uh, cornerback of the Colts, uh, Xavier Rhodes is out there as well. You know, you got to bring in a guy that knows the, the, the cover two, the Tampa two scheme and understands the philosophy behind it because – it's a different than what the Bears had, even though it was a lot of zone stuff a year ago. It's still a little different, but plus, like you said, you know, who's who did they have a corner besides uh, Jalen Johnson? Thomas Graham, I love. I think he has a lot of potential. Can't count on him. Right. You know, I mean, even if you bring in a guy like Xavier Rhodes, who I'm not high on, he is still going to be a huge step up from Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor. Right. I, I can't help but feel the same way that it's a matter of buying time, just holding spots down in yeah. uh, on defense that you're grabbing guys that you don't have to coach that much. I mean, I love the fact that the bears fun fundamentally took the entire Colts defensive staff with them. Yeah. If only because it means that whether you like the defense or not, they're speaking the same language on offense. Everybody's so young. Honestly, I want to just throw as much talent as you can at that side of the ball because they need as many guys that they can work with as possible. And hey, if you want to talk more about drafting a wide receiver, I'll throw out that uh, what's his name? It's I, I've just called him Tyke. Is it Tyke Taylor, the wide receiver coach? He might be one of the most uh, let's call it name brand coaches that they brought in this year. Their wide receiver guy and. And I think that spells well for drafting. I mean, it's it's just a matter of, at least I think, sign whatever you need to on free agency so or during free agency so that you don't have to go into the draft with a bunch of needs. But frankly, I feel like the Bears are looking down the barrel of a season where they're going to try to get a low-talent defense to perform at a medium level and invest as much as they can into making their offense as high-talent as possible. So what you're saying is the, the new wide receiver coach is a bit of a step up from the guy they've had here the last few years? <laughs> a, a bit, <laughs> to say the least. And thank you, Jordan Tyke Tolbert. Yes. Um, but he's like, we've gone from now uh, Furry, who I'm not 100% sure really did anything. The only wide receiver that he we lifted. saw develop. He did was, lift. Oh, he yeah. lifted. That's and he was sure. fired up and he screamed he a lot. Yep. Yeah. But we only saw one wide receiver develop. And it's the yeah. guy who during COVID went out there and called plays to himself. So uh, outside of Mooney, nobody got a lot better. We'll see what happens with the Bears going forward. But JB, any closing thoughts before free agent frenzy? I, you're not going to fix it all in one year. Like right. let's let's keep that in mind, right? That if every everyone thinks that hey, this roster is going to be ready to compete for a Super Bowl uh, when August rolls around, it's it's not the case. That's that's not the goal this year. The goal this year is to protect Justin Fields and to give him enough weapons so that you can see. If Justin Fields is the guy, we all like Justin Fields a lot, but he has not proven that he is going to be that top 10, potentially top five quarterback yet by any stretch of the imagination. And so the goal this year is to surround him with enough talent so that you can properly evaluate him. That's the goal. It's also to avoid uh, you want to avoid not putting anything around him so that you ruin him, which right. has happened to plenty of quarterbacks, right? So that, that I guess is like goal number one is the, the the low bar, but the but the real goal here is can you protect him and can you give him enough weaponry so that you can evaluate him at this time next year and say yes, this is the guy we're going to keep moving forward with him. And at the risk of starting a fire, JB in 2018 and 2019, that's exactly what the Bears did with Trubisky. And from there, the organization obviously fell apart. But at the time, it was a really nicely performing Tariq Cohen. Allen Robinson was one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Taylor Gabriel was a solid number two. And Anthony Miller was a super talented draft pick that never really panned out. I'm well aware that I'm not talking about like, you know, the Dom Perignon of offensive weapons. But I expect to see a similar blueprint here in the second year of a cheap offensive quarterback contract, because if you don't know what you have by year three, you don't know how to make your decisions, like whether it's moving on or whether it's fully investing. You got to get what you can to know what you need to know come 2023 or else you're going to be shooting in the dark. Yeah, I'm excited for what they're going to do. I, I love, like I said, I love this part of a franchise. I love the, the the resetting aspect of it, having a new offense, a brand new defense. I think it's exciting to see what Luke Getzey does because the, the Matt Nagy system. I, <laughs> what the hell was the Matt Nagy system? You know, I, I talked about I was I was, I was on a, a, a show a, a show yesterday, and I was talking about this a little bit. Is you know, you look at the Andy Reid stuff. You know, 
we didn't see none of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's not the same talent, but you know, where are the rub routes? Where where are the guys, you know, scheming things open? You know, like if you watch Andy Reid, there is no, you know, 30 hitches a game. It's it's a total different offense. I don't know what Matt Nagy was doing, but I am excited to see the Luke Getzey system, a, a more a, a more Shanahan-esque a flow to the offense. You know, I want to see Justin Fields on the move. I want to see Justin Fields as a play action. You know, I'm excited to see where this team goes. And, and like JB said, it's all about getting the pieces around Justin Fields to see if he's your guy. I think he's the guy. I think a lot of Bears fans think he's the guy but the Bears have to see that he's going to be the guy moving forward. Got to know. I mean, if you don't know, you're just, you throw more years away. But I'm excited. I think this is a great time to be a Bears fan because we really do get to ride in the land of low expectations, but potentially (laughs) high yield. I mean, last year, everybody had low expectations and there was nothing good to come of it. You know, like we were almost hoping, not really, but if the Bears did go to the playoffs with Andy Dalton, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, maybe people get extended. If they lose, we get to spend an entire year watching a bad football team and great, now we move on. But this year, we've got, I mean, you want to talk about the young quarterbacks out there that are ready to take a step? If things work out, Justin Fields could have a 25, 30, 35 touchdown season. I mean, this could be a lot of fun, even if you're losing football games. Because I don't know about you guys, but even the sometimes some games that the Bears won last year just felt like a grind all the way down to the final score, where it'd just be two teams. I, I go back to the uh, the Giants game. The Technically, the Bears dominated. It was still not fun to watch on offense. And so I nothing Matt Nagy did was fun to watch on uh, offense. That it's funny terrible. you mentioned the system thing, Lester. I can't help but feel like every once in a while you'd see a play that clearly came from uh like Kansas City genetics, but especially come 2021, there was just so much mush where they had like half thought out an idea, or maybe it was a fully thought out idea that was just half coached or half installed, and it was just gross football hopefully gets in the offense can keep everything on the same page but yeah jb uh, i was just gonna say that if it does work out if justin fields is the guy the nfc is open it rogers yeah. is i don't know how many more clarified butter cleanses rogers can do <laughs> to keep himself playing but he it's not going to be forever you know let's say it's a year or two uh russell wilson's now in the afc you, you you don't have a lot of premier proven talent. I mean, who knows what's happening with Kyle Murray? And I'm not even sure you can necessarily call him what, you know, a premier talent. I mean, he's very talented, but I don't even know where you put him in the quarterback rankings. And so all of the, for the vast majority of the best quarterbacks are in the AFC right now. And in, in Justin Fields has this opportunity to take the bears somewhere because there's just a, a real dearth of talent at quarterback in the NFC right now. And if the Bears have one of the few guys, you could see the Bears competing for NFC championships in the near term. Yep. I think what the Lions do at quarterback is going to be a lot of fun here in the draft. I mean, a lot of weird choices, especially if they don't draft a quarterback. It'll remind me a whole lot of when they drafted that corner uh, whose name escapes me with number four overall and still wrote out. But look, it's not even to dunk that hard. It was just so weird to pass on Justin Herbert regardless of having Matthew Stafford or not. But I, I digress. The point is you've got Kirk Cousins, who I think could be fairly described as he is who he is. You've got Aaron Rodgers, who's aging, still super good. Bears are probably going to be competing for a wild card spot just about as long as 12 is still in the division, but he's he can't be there forever anymore. The Lions have to make a decision. And just to throw this out there, if Justin Fields gets all the time in the world, somebody said this in the comments. I don't want to steal it from you, Jordan. You don't need the wide receivers to be dynamos. Take a look at who Russell Wilson has been working with, the obvious comp for Justin Fields in Seattle. Guys like Tyler Lockett that that are really good route runners can get open downfield given time. And so you throw a couple second or third round picks at this spot, I think you could end up with some really good talent alongside Darnell Mooney that he's got an obvious connection with that, like you're saying, JB, could make this team more competitive than we realize. Super Bowl? Nobody said that. But I'll say it. Let's go. Super Bowl. Nope. Bears, Super Bowl. No, not yet. Okay. Disagree. Not so- <laughs> <laughs> it would take some magic yeah. to get them there, I think, before 2023 or 2024, but way more fun. I mean, the teams that can score, if the Bears become one of them, you just never know. Like exactly what we saw with uh, with the Bengals this last year. Maybe not the greatest example, but the Bills, certainly, who could just score like crazy. Um, 
So we'll see. Either way, the next four or so days, I think, are going to be huge for the Bears. And I don't expect them to sit on the sidelines. It's just a matter of, do they spend their money on Taron Armistead and throw $20 million at somebody that could play as few as eight games a season? Or are they spending it on deals we like, for lack of a better word? We'll see. Either way, thank you guys so much for jumping on. Jeff, what do you got in the works? We'll go to Lester next. Uh, I'm going to start laying out some plans for a special podcast series. Um, I'm I'm not going to reveal the name of it yet. Uh, that'll be I'll keep that a surprise. I'm pretty excited about it though. Uh, but I'm going to be interviewing fans and trying to get a pulse of the fan base of, as we head into this new era. Awesome, Lester. What about you? Uh, you know, it's free agency frenzy, so the site will be jumping nonstop. We'll have trackers up every day. You know, we're going to have so much content because the Bears are going to make so many uh, brand new players uh, in the next few days. And on my end, I know I'm excited to get back into whether it's draft content, free agency analysis, everything. I'm coming out of a bit of a family hole. Uh, I'm having a child, which has made things wild, and it Yay. didn't. Help. It did not help that Elden Ring came out just two weeks ago and completely <laughs> consumed me. So between those two, I've been AWOL. I'm coming back. But either way, thank you guys so much for listening in. Always fun doing this sort of thing. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me. 